Brett. Yes. Here's a question for you. Okay. So, NASA contacts you. Okay. They're like, hey, Brett, you're perfect. We're, you're going to be the first man on Mars. Okay. We're going to have, you know, all this video equipment set up. You're going to have your famous lines. Even be even more famous than Neil Armstrong's, you know. You get to be the king of Mars, Brett. Yeah. You get to be the king of Mars. However, the caveat is, due to, you know, physics that, you know, me and you aren't aware of, but NASA is obviously, stuff like that, you have to, you know, climb down the ladder onto Mars in a very see-through suit. Yeah. Basically, you're buck naked. Yeah, okay. And it's very cold on Mars. <laughs> Would yeah, you do it? But it's not like getting out of the pool. You're gonna you're gonna be the most famous person to have ever lived, but you're gonna be naked the entire time. That's fine. You yeah, do it. Do, yeah. I wouldn't. <laughs> Not worth it. Get it out! There's some up. There's ghosts in your clothes. You better take them off. <laughs> Is it recording? Yeah. Welcome to Dula Jane's number one podcast where we argue about shit you don't care about. I'm Red. Okay, hey, so we went to the Capitol Tap Capital Room. Capitol Tap Room. Soft opening. Soft opening. John, John Shubin. <laughs> <laughs> Who has been on our show a couple times. <laughs> the owner, him and his wife. And uh, I gotta say, did he give you the grand tour of the place? No. I got the grand tour. I was busy. He is him. literally the all that stands between him and becoming like a John Wayne Gacy type serial killer. Yeah. Is probably his wife smarting up and leaving him. <laughs> because he gave you a tour of that place and there's so many places that he can murder somebody and hide the body. That Yeah. It's just it was freaky. Like, I have second thought I were going there. Is there like an upstairs? I know there's, there's an upstairs and there's a basement. And there's like, it's, it's creepy. Like, you go to the basement, he showed me where the cooler was, and that was pretty cool. Like, they had just gotten up and running. That's why the beer was still kind of warm and hadn't, had enough time to build up, you know. Capital Tap Room, best place to get cold, I mean, warm beer. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee beer. Like Gilgamesh's Vader. <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna have Gilgamesh. She said that the sales guys were in. Yeah, yeah. And they're gonna get a spe they're waiting for like a specialty like a like a, a special release kind of before he gets it in there. But uh yeah, but like beyond the cooler or the the freezer room, there's this big open area it's where it's like nobody could hear you scream if you were down here. <laughs> nice. Then he took me up to the attic where he's not the attic, like the third yeah, the yeah. second floor or third floor, or whatever, right above the tap room. Yeah. With the windows and shit. Where he was like, yeah, where he's like, yeah, you guys could, because he wants us to record there sometimes. Yeah. With, you know, with him, or, or just, yeah. we want to show up and drink Gilgamesh or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but it's a two, it's a one-way mirror. Oh, really? Yeah, well, because like, if it's, it, but it's one of those things, if you turn out the lights upstairs, it becomes a one-way mirror. Nice. So it's like, you could literally stand like with your face pressed up against the glass and, and everyone outside would not know what you're doing. <sighs> And to me, that just made it creepier. It's like, that fucker could be up there, like... Jerking it. <laughs> oh, 
that dude looks perfect. Nice. <laughs> Just take it out. Yeah, take uh, the bear. He's like he has like a little like microphone. He's like telling the bartender like, okay, put the roofies in that one. <laughs> no, 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 that's his wife. No, I don't want her. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah, so that's cool. That's like a little... And I'm just kidding. There, He's or? not an axe murderer. Everyone should go to the Capitol Tap Room. No, for sure. But it's like a little office <laughs> there, or... Yeah, that's where, like, he has, uh, like... Um, keeping and stuff, or what? Yeah, it's not completely set up yet, but essentially, yeah, it's like an office area. I mean, he's got he's got computer stuff up in there. I'm, I'm assuming um, it's for bookkeeping and whatnot, but he also has, like, I mean, he had a setup, too, where, like, the, the stereos ran out of there, so, yeah. like, the music in the background... And I think plus like that's where all the uh, when they wired like the TV and whatnot. That's oh, where the wires. Yeah. Cool. It's actually a pretty sweet setup. Yeah, I liked it. I was I w- excited when I was there. I was a little bummed out that like nobody I knew was there. Like I thought, like I thought I saw Sean was gonna go and mm-hmm. shit like that. And I was like, well. So then it was just like me and Bailey like sitting in a corner basically. But yeah. It was it was still fun to go and support what he was doing. Mm-hmm. It's cool. I think it's a good place for it. I think it's in good company. The only thing that, you know, freaks me out a little bit is that there's been probably five businesses there within the last five years. Have any of them been tap rooms? Uh, the last one was a wine bar. Wine bars, though, that, it's just... It was like a little, like, bistro. I, I think wine bars are... They're way more of a niche crowd. And then right next door to it is actually is a place that I like. Not next door, but maybe a door or two down is a place that I really like uh, called the Union Barrel, which is a whiskey bar. Yeah, but in right between right between the whiskey barrel and the Capitol Tap Room, there's like a restaurant bar type. Yeah, area, right? Jonathan's or something maybe. Yeah, I guess they're gonna try to work out a deal or something to have food served at the Capitol Tap. You just can't t- carry drinks over. Yeah. Know? Um. But, uh, no, I actually, I think this one has, I think it has staying power, because it's... Well, I think it was a good choice to go It's there. just hipster enough that hipsters could show their face there, but it's not so hipster that, like, a, you know, you're running, like, me or you couldn't walk in there, you yeah. know? I, it, it, it's it's actually pretty pretty well built. It's it's big enough that you can, I think, I don't know what the... And it's in a good area. I do comedy, like, a block yeah. there every week, so... It's right by the Elsinore, isn't it? So it's like... Yeah, it's next door to the Elsinore. Yeah, so, so it's like, there's, there's plenty of crowds there, and... It gets busy, pretty busy down on that block. No, uh, I, in, in the evenings. I think yeah, I think he has staying power there. I mean, yeah, I agree. But um, all right, so you know, we talked enough about the creeper, uh, John Schumann. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, you saw The Martian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You sound yeah. like you sound like Brantley. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 I did. Uh yeah, I did. Matt Damon. What are your thoughts? Um, let's hear let's hear let's let's hear a review. Okay, really good. And this is what I said on Facebook too when I wrote my little my little tweet afterwards. Uh really good movie. Might almost be better than the book. Wow. There was a few key lines that they changed or left out to that to me just it, they were just like the cherries on top or like the nails in the coffin or yeah. the straw that broke the camel's back. Like just the perfect. Yeah. Like one of my favorite lines in the book is when he finally, he refers to himself as the king of Mars. Yeah. Like that's one of my favorite lines because it's like, oh yeah, no, he is. Like no one's going to dispute him. Like, yeah. Nobody's going to like go to war with him for the title of king of Mars. Yeah. Like he's the undisputed king of motherfucking Mars. Uh, <clears throat> 
they never once said King of Mars oh, really? in, the, in the movie, which bummed me out a little bit. But that, but that's because I'm one of these guys who, you know what I mean? It's like when I go see a movie that's based on a book, Yeah, we all have these preconceived notions of what's going to make it on screen or what's going to be said. And it's these little details for me mm-hmm. that will like solidify it as like, you know, the, the sister to the book, you mm. know, the movie, I should say. Yeah. But it's never like that. Almost never. But this did a really good job of staying pretty true to the source material. Yeah. There was just a few key things, like King of Mars, they never mentioned once that the character, Mark Watney, was a mechanical engineer. Yeah. He was a botanist, which they hammer home and they do lots of botany jokes. Yeah. Which is funny because it's the only... And that's Matt Damon's character, yeah. right? He's a, he's a he's a botanist. And because of that, he can he grow, he figures out how to grow potatoes in his little house thing and survive yeah. the whole time. Uh, but he's also a mechanical engineer, which is how he fixes all the shit that constantly breaks on him. That's how he fucking figures out how to make water out of the hydrogen uh, rocket fuel. Yeah. Like, he figures out how to do all this stuff. It's because he's a motherfucking engineer, dude. He's Bill Nye. Yeah. Um, the science guy. Yeah. But they never mentioned that, which, to me, it's like, okay, I get it. You're an astronaut. But there's not just any other ast- any other astronaut would be able to fix all this shit that's yeah. breaking. I mean, he's on Mars for, like, more than two years or something like that, so. In the book or in the movie? Both. Well, I, one thing I don't get... Spoilers, by the way. Yeah. Um, okay, so, okay, so he's, so he's on there for two years, and I get that because it takes so long to, like, yeah, I mean, I could, I could look it up. But in the exactly, movie, but. in the movie, so they, and I'm, I'm assuming in the book as well, the crew that ended up accidentally leaving them behind. Yeah. They tra- pretty much travel back to Earth and sling, use it the slingshot back. Yeah. So that, how did, how were they able to survive on that ship for two years? Or a year? Yeah, two years, essentially. They, instead of using the rock, so, spoiler alert. Yeah. Fast forward if you don't want to hear this or what, or go back, go watch or read The Martian and come back. Um, so you don't mind me just telling you? Yeah, just tell me. It's okay. So NASA, they're coming up with a plan on how to keep Mark Watney alive until he can get rescued. He thinks that the only way he's going to get rescued is to meet up with the next Mars mission. He was, he was Mars, uh, the missions are called Ares. Yeah. Uh, he was Ares three. Yeah. So they figured he'd have to wait for Ares four to be rescued and he'd have to go to the landing site the way that they planned the Ares missions was by sending everything that the crews would need beforehand yeah so which is theoretically how they might do it now yeah, yeah. and for those of you who don't know the Martian was actually written by this guy who is a bit of a science geek and he started writing he started writing out written plans for how he would think the best way to do a manned Mars mission was yeah and then he thought hey you know it'd be great is if I added a character to this and like made it all like added all the little science highlighted all the science details that I've spent time thinking about on how people could survive on Mars and get back yeah. to Earth and then make it a story about this guy and he could fix problems he could do all this stuff and so he did and he wrote it into a book and he put it on Amazon for free Crazy. no 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 99 cents because you have to have a price on your ebooks yeah. and he sold like 10,000 copies of it in one day Jesus that is the success story of The Martian then he got a print deal and all this other shit so but, um, yeah, so the way they did it, NASA was going to send a rocket with supplies on it and just crash it onto Mars so that Mark could make it another couple years. Yeah. But they realized that there was a lot of risk associated with that and it might not work and that the best thing for them to do was to, well, 
and this is there is a little bit of like NASA politics coming into play and all this other stuff, but basically some sort of physicist comes up with this plan. It's like, no, I think the best way to do this is if we slingshot the crew coming home from Earth around Earth and restock them, and then they can go pick up Mark Watney, slingshot around Mars, and then come home. Yeah. And they're like, no, we can't do that. And so then they the crew like force changes their trajectory and forces NASA to re-outfit the rocket with a resupply for their ship rather than a resupply for Mars. Okay. So Okay. So they launch a rocket in a docks with okay. their spaceship called the Hermes. And then they go back to they go back to Mars. And by that point Mark has um gotten to the other rocket site for the next Mars mission and he outfits it for him to get ridiculous fucking speeds because they're gonna they're coming by so fast that they're not gonna be able to stop they're gonna come around they're gonna slingshot around mars and uh so that the the window for error is like non-existent yeah and uh yeah so that's that's what he does and then he launches into space and they save him nice it's pretty good man it's pretty good dude fucking fantastic like i think he had one of the hardest acting jobs i think well, yeah, you're by yourself, kind of like kind of like a Tom Hanks and Castaway. It's just like dude, a, he nails some of the fucking just like I think it was oh, might have almost been better than Tom Hanks and Castaway. Oh, it's possible. Like he captures he captures like you know, but the difference is the difference between Castaway and him is that he, like his character was sort of prepared for this sort of yeah. contingency, you know, and all that stuff, and he had a better idea of what the fuck he needed to do than Tom Hanks did. Yeah, but he I think he captures a lot of the emotion better than Tom Hanks did. Yeah. Which I think Tom Hanks is, I mean, a lot of Tom Hanks' stuff when he comes home and all that extra stuff, like, I think he fucking does. And, I, you know, the, I have made fire. Fucking I iconic scene. Have made fire. <laughs> iconic scene. Yeah. And there's so many things that are iconic in that movie. And I don't mean to diminish it in any way, but I, I, I think there's a few, like, subtler emotional, like, yeah. facial things and stuff that I think Matt Damon did a little better. And he ha- and I think his acting had to be a lot more facial because he's in a fucking spacesuit a lot of the time. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Um, but fucking great movie. Like I said, I think it's a little bit better than the book missing King of Mars line. And then there, of course there's a, a few little key lines of like his line of thought that are missing that made it funny. Like one of my favorite lines is when he, cause he always asks himself like, what would Neil Armstrong do? What would Buzz Aldrin do? And he's like, oh, yeah, that's right. They'd slam three whiskey sours, drive a, a Corvette to the launch pad, and ride a rocket to the moon. And he's like, fuck it. I'm doing it, too. <laughs> you know? So it's like, and that's like his last little speech to himself before he gets in the rocket and he fucking goes home. Um, it's crazy. Now, when you, the first time you told me about this, you, you were telling me about a, in the book that there's like a, a part where NASA's like, my God, he's alive. Yeah. What, 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 what is he thinking? What is he thinking? And then he's back in. It's like, Aquaman. Makes no goddamn sense. <laughs> yeah, the exact line in the book is, how can Aquaman control whales? They're mammals, not fish. Is that in the movie? No, it's not in the movie. That's the other line I was going to say, actually. What he says, uh, it's a different line. They're like, they're like, Mark Watney's alive? Like, what must he be thinking? And then he says something like, I don't know. I don't remember, honestly, but it wasn't that. It was like something about disco, maybe, or like, oh. disco sucks. <laughs> I don't know. But... They did it really well because the character in the book cusses a lot. Yeah. And I think they conveyed a lot of it, like a lot of the hilarity of it. Yeah. Without showing him cussing or having yeah. him cuss. Like, like they're like, Mark, everything that you type to us is being broadcast to the entire world. Watch your mouth. 
And in the book, what he he basically like says all the filthiest words possible. He's like, "Shut your dumb cunt face up," you know, or whatever. Yeah. And like, damn it. <laughs> but in the book, everybody reads it, and everyone starts cr- like in the movie when they it shows what he types back, and they all everyone starts laughing because yeah. it's like inappropriate. <laughs> and then there's, then there's a scene where he uh, it's my favorite one of my favorite scenes in the movie actually where he. Um, just shit hits the fan and everything's falling apart in front of him. Yeah. And he goes into his rover and he takes his helmet off and the camera is outside the rover looking at his face and he's sitting there and he's just dumbfounded and you can just see him. He mouths the word fuck. He's like, and he's like just shouting and he's like smashing stuff. Like it's so great. Uh, do, you, do you think in our lifetime that we'll get to get to Mars? I hope so. I mean, the the plan outlined in the book and everything, like, seems so plausible when you really look at I it. I feel like they could do it now. I'm obviously not now because it takes time to get there, but I feel like it could, this is something that could be... Implemented. Implemented like, within 10 years if they had the funding. They say that we were less prepared to go to the moon in 10 years than we are to get to Mars now. That's what I think, because, like... They said I've they, heard different like, but, but to get someone to the moon and back, you know, that's a eight month eight month trip to the moon. No, sorry, to Mars. Sorry, it's like eight months. It's I think it's uh, like nine months there, nine months back. Okay, so that's eighteen months. What I had heard like, that's like optimal flight conditions. Yeah, what I had heard was that they think it might be one of those things where. Like you said, they send supply after supply after supply ahead of time. Yeah. You know, on this one area. And then they send the crew. Crew gets there. And it's not like a three-day trip or a 12-hour trip. Like the moon, they were there for like, what, 12 hours? Yeah, something like that. I mean, so I they weren't they, there even a day. They were there for a while, I think. Yeah, but they weren't there for any real length of time. They were just there long enough to get some samples, take some pictures. Th- didn't, didn't they sleep in the lunar lander for like a... Yeah, but they were like... They tr- they were required to or something because they hadn't slept. The- I don't know. Anyways, I, mean, I think they were gone for two weeks for each moon mission. Really? Like maybe? Well, because it takes three days there and three days back, and I think they were there for at least a day or maybe two. I don't know. Okay, well, I'd have maybe, to look that up. To but they weren't there long. It wasn't no. long. So, but like they, instead of having them get there, you know, and they're and there, they're just like pick up some rocks and go home. Yeah, like you got. They have to spend a length of time there. It's like well, that's the caveat that saves. Mark Watney's life in The Martian is that they're there for a 30-day mission. Yeah. They have to abandon the mission halfway through. Yeah. And then they sent redundant amount of food in yeah. case something happened. Yeah. So there was a full month's worth of food there for six people. Yeah. And that was like the little thing that happened to save his life because there was all these supplies there for everyone and it was just him. Yeah. And they sent redundant yeah. redundancies. So that's... Yeah. They planned 30-day missions and they had these little bases that they... Slept in and all this stuff. I mean, well, the thing is they got to do that. To, but instead of like not thirty days, have it be like okay, when you get there, you're going to be there for a year. You know. Well, and then, yeah, what, you have to send a lot of supplies, but yeah. Oh, maybe not a year, maybe, but like, or make it, you know, or you're constantly like sending new stuff in, mm-hmm. and while you're sending like new more food and air or whatever, you're also sending you know stuff to get back, like fuel, and then you're also sending stuff ahead of time <laughs> for the next crew. Yeah. Well, the scary part about that, I think, is it's best to send everything ahead of time. Because the scary thing about, like, resupplying people that are there yeah. is that if something goes wrong and they're depending on that, yeah. then they're not going to have it. Yeah. You know? So. But I'm saying, like, you're, 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 
you you have enough food there for the they yeah. can last, but then you can send more. You can, yeah, you add can, on. To you it can add on stuff up. because maybe the next the next crew you're gonna send. You know, that, that way there's more and more stuff built up, so then people can start staying longer and they can start working and building yeah. a bigger base longer and do stuff. Like it would have to be probably a four or five man crew, I imagine. Yeah, I mean, in the book they did they did six man crew. And the way they sent this ship that was a reusable ship, no, and that was the, that was the whole part of it. So they had the ship because there was going to be five manned Mars missions, and they sent a they sent a ship that was reusable for each five, and it had a spinning section mm. so that there was artificial gravity on it, so that the toll of flying wasn't too great. And then they go there, they got you know they landed, and then there was a rocket there for them to go up and redock with the ship when they were done, and and then the ship would go back, and then they'd resupply. No, what's how similar is gravity of Mars to Earth? Um, well, Mars is like... It's I a little bit smaller like, than Earth. I think it's Earth. like one-third the size of Earth. Or like, it would definitely half. I know, I wish I had, I'm recording on my phone right now. Yeah. So it's like okay, I wish, so I, wish mean, I could look it up. I'm just, I'll, here, I'll look it up. Mars. No, you piece of shit. Mars... As if I'm going to find it in a textbook by just thumbing. Well, it's it. funny that we're talking about this because they also they recently found evidence of liquid. And when I say liquid, that's kind of a loose term, but... And they found fucking water on Mars. Yeah. Like, which, that week that the Martian came out. Which is really, like... Oh. I thought it was pretty funny, actually. Um, I'm trying to look. Oh, it was just on this fucking page. Volume... Okay, well, I'm finding like stuff. Okay, like v- mass or mass, excuse me, it's zero point one oh seven Earths. What does that mean? Zero point one oh seven Earths. Yeah. Well, mass doesn't work because we have gas. Yeah. So that doesn't that doesn't really mean much. But that's really small. That's one tenth our size. Yeah, but we actually have more of an atmosphere than we have an atmosphere. Look up a uh, like. You know, radius or diameter, or whatever. Like it, Mars. Like Venus is really close to our size, but yeah, Mars compared. is like I think one third. Right, I'm Mars compared to Earth, so maybe that'll. Mars is red. The Earth is blue. <laughs> you <laughs> idiot. Like our our moon is one fourth our size, and I think Mars is less than half our size for sure. Okay. I'm looking it up. Okay, I found a, a Google question thing. Is is the gravity on Mars the same as Earth? No. But one big difference is the gravity on Mars surface is much lower than it is here on Earth. 62% lower, to be precise, at just 0.38 of the Earth's standard. A person who weighs 100 kilograms on Earth would weigh only 38 kilograms on Mars. So it's probably closer to what moon the moon is. Because moon's like what, not even a quarter of the gravity. I think so. Yeah. Wish it were. I wish I could just have it in front of me so I could tell you. But. Okay, here's a picture. Mars is a bit over half of Earth's diameter. So yeah, I mean, so it's barely half. I mean, but look at the picture. I mean, so here's here's Earth. Yeah. Then there's Venus right next to it, and it's, Venus is almost the same size. Yeah. It's pretty small. 
Mercury is barely bigger than our moon, and Mars is barely bigger than Mercury. I mean, obviously, it's going to be actually quite sizably different. Yeah. I mean, you know, just this little picture. Yeah. Which they tried to do to scale. So. Okay. But. But then another way I've heard them do it, they're talking about doing a Mars mission is basically, you're going to Mars for life. Yeah. You know, the people they send there, you're going to, we're starting a settlement there. You're going to be the first, uh, you're going to be the foundation of it. You're never coming home. Yeah. We'll keep, we'll send you stuff, you know, and we'll probably send more people as time goes by, but you're never leaving. I don't know. You know, to me, I don't, I definitely agree that that would work. But to me, the more I think about it, I think, um, the more that, uh, I think, the more I, I think that the first explorers yeah. who go to Mars need to come home. Yeah. You know, it's just like anywhere, right? Like Christopher Columbus, like, didn't stay no. in America forever. Armstrong and Aldrin came back. Yeah. You know, and I, I, I think that, I think that's more in line with the human spirit than just, like, sending motherfuckers over there to never see them again. Yeah. You know, I think it would... How great would it be to send someone to Mars, have them come home, and they can tell you in person yeah. what it's like. And and then people who want to go. That's the, you know, the pioneer spirit then. They say, all right, I want to go fucking live there. I want to live in a, in a place where it's just inhospitable to human beings, and I want to make it work for generations to come. Well... They're talking that they there's a I can't remember some scientist engineer or somebody was saying it's not possible right this second but it's theoretically possible that maybe in fifty years they would have the technology maybe sooner than that but they would have the technology to start sending basically machines over there that create building stuff well that create an atmosphere like create oxygen to terraform it yeah I mean it it would be a very long process. But the more and more you, you the better you get at it, the faster you can go, and eventually you would have it air. And you could, and then you'd be able to, you know, grow yeah. stuff there. And actually, there could be a permanent settlement of people, which I think someday that will happen. I think we're gonna fuck up this planet so bad that we're gonna be forced to start settling Mars. And yeah. Maybe even the moon in a certain way. You know, there's a great series of books that I'm reading, and I don't remember what they're called, but um, <laughs> the first one's called Leviathan's Wake, yeah. and it takes place in our solar system, like, in the next couple hundred years. Yeah. After there was this huge, mad rush to colonize the other planets, like, so Mars is colonized, the asteroid belt's colonized, and then the four Galilean moons of Jupiter are yeah. all colonized. And it's weird, because even after just a few generations... Uh, like people who live out in the belt, the asteroid belt, they're called belters. They look, they physically look different than people. Well, from yeah, because gravity is always yeah. going to be different. Yeah, and and there's like weird like racial tensions between people who live out on the fringe and the people who live more in the core, and uh, it's just fascinating. Like to read about how the, all that is, and then it's like the Mormons. Like the Mormons built a, a seed ship, and they, you know, a, gen- a generational seed ship where they just all loaded up onto this huge ship and flew out to colonize some other solar system. Like fuck you all, like we're leaving, and so. Jesus. Uh, and then you know, like Hinduism is like a huge thing out in the belt, and it's like, and uh, I don't know, it's just crazy. It really, really great books so far. Yeah, well, it's, uh, it's interesting to think that. Mars, to me, at least in my mind, that'd be the one, I guess the moon, too, but you can, theoretically, you could do it. Like, the, the Galilean moons of Jupiter, it seems so far away that you'd have, you'd be relying so much on technology, whereas, theoretically, it, you know, if you could terraform the atmosphere on Mars, you know, yeah, that, know. to me, would seem a lot more feasible. 
Well, I definitely think that with Mars soon follows an asteroid, and with that soon follows visits to the Galilean moons, which, yeah. you know, they're huge. I mean, they're huge little objects. Oh, some space. of them are bigger than the Earth. Might be, I don't know. I think Europa is actually a big, it's bigger than the The biggest planet. one is Ganymede. Yeah, and, you, and yeah, Europa's the one I think after Mars would be the next best bet for life because of the, Can't even remember the, all the, the water that's under the sheet of ice. Yeah. And because the gravity pull heats up the core, that water is actually, you know, there's actually liquid water, and they think sometimes yeah. the, the ice will crack and water come up, and that's how they can find par- like little parasites or whatever. Yeah, they're actually suspecting, too, that the radiation emitted from Jupiter is enough of, of like, an energy source, yeah. too. So that it, it it excites the water underneath, and you have the you know of course you have the thermal energy too, depending on how the core is. Yeah, it'll be fascinating stuff. You ever seen the movie Europa Report? No, mm, pretty good. Uh, not the best, but it's all right for a low budget you know indie movie. Yeah. Um. Yeah, space travel is fascinating. Um, another one of my little favorite things about colonizing the solar system is uh, the anime Cowboy Bebop. So fascinating. Like, they, we've destroyed Earth. Like, nobody lives on it anymore. Mars is like the next, next ritzy place where everybody lives in domes and all this fancy stuff. Yeah. And then, you know, but even like Venus is colonized to some extent. Like, we have like floating and That's cities. just not possible. Venus is so in, inhospitable. Yeah, I don't know. But the way they portrayed it in this, I mean, obviously it's science fiction and they like travel by these like weird light speed gate things. Yeah. But uh, they had, like, floating cities because the atmosphere is, like, so dense. Uh, and so they have these cities that aren't, like, in the atmosphere where you're going to get, like, 900-degree temperatures, right? Yeah. Like, you're going to be up a little higher and they're floating and they're doing all this. I don't know. Uh, a lot of scientists have always suspected that it would be easier to colonize Venus before it would be to colonize Mars. How? Because, well, for one, it has an atmosphere. So, yeah. but that's uh, also kind of as probably as... But it's, like, not air. Uh, there's like nitrogen and stuff. I mean, you'd have to, I don't know how you would do it. Oh, I think maybe that might be easier to, to terraform. Yeah, because that Mar- Mars has no atmosphere, where Venus is a living No, Mars planet. has a little bit, because they, they say they found oxygen, yeah, like trace, bit, yeah. o- trace amounts of oxygen in the atmosphere. Yeah, Mars has a very, very thin atmosphere, but it's been outgassed. Mars is a dead planet. Yeah. Venus is still alive, like, like Earth is. Like, but it's so inhospitable, because all of the volcanic activity creates such an immense greenhouse effect. But, uh, but I think I personally would, I like the romantic, you know, colonize Mars concept. I'd like to see that done first. And it seems to me, it seems safer and more logical to go to Mars than it does to Venus. Yeah, going closer to the sun seems scarier. Um, but yeah, yes. Um, so that's that. The Martian. (laughs) Pretty good. Pretty cool. Like I said, I think it might almost be better than the book. Almost. Mm. A very rare example of that happening. Uh, you know. Okay. How was uh, Black Mass? Yes. Black Mass with Johnny Depp. Uh, I went and saw it with John Blatchford, you know, from Cinnamon. And, uh, yeah, he liked it. We haven't had a chance to talk about it since we were going to talk about it on Cinnamon a little bit, too. But, but uh, he liked it. And I, at first, was indifferent. But the more I think about it, the less I like it. Johnny Depp was great, but the nothing happens in the movie. Yeah, like you know, uh, you know, you compare it to other like mob movies, right? Like Goodfellas, Godfather, yeah. or whatever. Scarface, even like there's just this escalation of things. The yeah. stakes get higher. There's more to lose for these characters, and so they get more violent and bigger things happen. Yeah, 
Like, The Godfather is a prime example where it's kind of semi-peaceful at the beginning. And oh, yeah. then halfway through the movie, motherfuckers are being gunned down in the streets with Tommy guns. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Shit like that barely happens. I mean, people are getting killed in the streets in Black Mass, but it's happening from, like, the beginning. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. no sense of, like, escalation of stakes. Like, I never once... So it's almost more similar to The, to the Departed. Because the part is kind of like that. I mean, there's escalate. Things are at stake, but there's people who are pretty much dying right away, and there's. Yeah, but I would say that The Departed had a sense of. Uh, it had a different sense of stakes because I think, I, to me personally, in, in terms of mob movies, one of the most. I, I don't know what the word is, but that scene when fucking Leo's on the phone with Matt Damon, and he's like, You can come in now, Troopa! You can come in! And then Leo's just fucking not saying anything because he knows he's the fucking inside man at the station, and he just fucking killed Jack Nicholson and all yeah. this crazy. And he doesn't know what to fucking do, and so it's this crazy, weird cat and mouse moment. Like, yeah. to me, when all of these forces culminate and shit hits the fan on both sides, and it kind of finally meets in the middle, like, there is definitely an escalation there, but you're right. It doesn't necessarily, it's not like from the, it's like happy go lucky from the start. And then, Whoa! no, it's pretty much like up here the whole time with people dying yeah. and shit going. But, um, but that scene at least elicited like some sort of emotional response. Yeah. Like I don't, and I don't even think there's character growth for Whitey Bulger, you know, the bad guy it's based on. Like, it's just the same shit the whole time. Yeah, he's a fucking asshole the entire time. And they talk about how he how he built his empire from, like, a little street gang in South Boston to, like, controlling all of Boston and, and all this crazy shit. And, you know, he's working with the FBI, and so he gives up the Italian mob and all this shit. But nothing cool. Like, you don't see cool things happening. Yeah. Like, you just see dumb dialogue, and then, like, his right-hand man goes and kills some people... And, like, he kills a couple people. Like, I mean, it's a violent movie, but I feel like it's all senseless. I don't feel like there's any stakes. I don't... You don't see any excitement. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see anything exciting. Yeah. And then even when it's found out that he's been working with the FBI, like, his friends are like, what? And he goes, yeah, so I did it. Whatever. <laughs> and it's not even like his friends are like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, it's not even... I don't know. It's just fucking ridiculous. I don't even think there was an escalation from the FBI guy, Joel Egerton, who is a great actor in my mind, but there was just nothing there. Like, okay, he got in a fight with his wife because he's wearing fancier clothes. He gets in fights with his boss at the FBI more often, but it wasn't like he had to fuck... It was, Joel Egerton didn't shoot an FBI agent in the head to fucking keep his cover, uh, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know, it's just... Ah, uh, I, I don't know. Great, great acting by Johnny Depp, but I just feel like it was so it was such a it was basically like a here's johnny depp playing a strange character that you can barely recognize as johnny depp yeah i felt like that was the showpiece of the movie it was like basically a big shiny cock piece for johnny depp <laughs> but that was it it wasn't it didn't serve a purpose yeah and the previews for the new uh pirates of the caribbean come out yet there's a new pirates of the caribbean yeah there's like a fifth one coming out oh i don't know Fourth There's one. a movie with stakes. <laughs> All right. Uh, second, third, fourth one. Obviously, the first one it was amazing. It was amazing. Second and third one. No, yeah, they're all right. They have their place. Fourth Back. one is it's kind of weak. I kind of hate the second one, but the third one is enjoyable in some sense. I think they're all enjoyable, but like, I don't know. The fourth one was pretty weak too, but I barely remember. I, I saw it here. But the problem, I think, one of the problem is it to me the narrative is so up and down. Because there really was never meant to be a trilogy or whatever, a it series. They made the first one. They the first made the one first one. one of my favorite movies. They made the first one, and it has kind of a cut and dry ending to it. 
You know, and all of a sudden, oh yeah, we're going to make another one. Yeah. Or, or we're going to make two more. Cool. And then that kind of had finally cut and dry. Oh, no, we're making a fourth one. But the fourth one, they finally left it open for a sequel. Like, it was actually legitimately left open to be continued. What, what are we at? 35 minutes. Okay. so We got, like, another 5, 10. Okay. So, I mean, I don't know. I, th- I think even the, the weaker ones, like, I think the fourth one's probably the weakest. It's still okay. It it's, wa- it's watchable. All of them are pretty decent as far as, like, blockbuster tentpole movies go. Oh, yeah. But the first one is among one of my favorite movies, just because, I mean, the action is perfect, the dialogue is perfect, I mean, it's like Sahara. It's kind of like his welcome back party, like, Johnny Depp was, like, relevant again. Oh, I mean, he was never really unrelevant, but he wasn't, like... Irrelevant. Yeah, he wasn't irrelevant, but he was, it was, like, I don't know. All of a sudden, now Johnny Depp is it again. Yeah. Dead Men Tell No Tales, I guess, and there is a trailer. Interesting. They're definitely all the freaking uh, party lines that you you know, or pirate lines you can you know, Dead Men's Chest or uh, what was the other ones? Dead Men Tell No Lies. At World's End. At World's End. What was the fourth one? Stranger Tides. Stranger Tides, which I actually kind of liked. It was a little bit more fantastical. It was a very, very. I mean. You know what scene was terrible in the third one? Or maybe it was the second one. Um, when they're fighting, uh, Kira Knightley and uh, Orlando Bloom are fighting and they get married while fighting. <laughs> I'd say, yeah, Kira Knightley is very weak in those movies. She's one of my least favorite parts of the movie. I liked her role in the first one pretty well. Because, yeah, she was a weak character. But things were happening to her. Like, she was sort of the center of this, and she's reacting yeah. while forces are, you know, Johnny Depp is doing stuff. Like, Johnny Depp's not the main character. Like, she's the one that things are happening to. Yeah. And Johnny Depp is using her. Orlando Bloom is using her. Everybody's, like, you know, doing this thing. And so I feel like she fit her character role pretty well in the first one. Yeah. But uh, from then on, they tried to make her, like, too cool. And I feel like her character becomes really weak in the second yeah. and third ones. It's like, really? I'm glad they didn't bring her or Orlando Bloom back for the fourth one. It, they just premiered Jeffrey Rush, the the assistant or his like a uh, second in command or uh, Johnny Depp's second in command. Yeah, Barbosa. No, no, Jeffrey Rush. The, the bring oh, Barbosa back. The fat guy. The fat guy who like in the first one was sleeping with the pigs. Yeah, and they fuck. What's his name? Him. But they bring him back. I'm already awake. Yeah, that was for the smell. Oh. <laughs> but like, uh, those are only three returning characters, and I thought yeah. that was pretty cool because yeah. Honestly, I like Barbosa's character. Yeah. Orlando Bloom was really good in the first one, and then he just tapered out. Yeah. You know, it's funny for how they good concentrated of an actor way he is. too much on the him and Keira Knightley for the second, third ones. For how good of an actor he is, I feel like he has pretty weak roles. He uh, what's a good role? Uh, to me, he's like Kingdom of Heaven is my Kingdom of Heaven's good, but. Dude, he's great in that movie. He, he's, he's, it's good, but like he's to me, he's like the one of the weakest parts in the Lord of the Ring trilogy and yeah. then Hobbits. They should not have brought him back for the Hobbit. That yeah, that was dumb as fuck. Well, like okay, here's my problem with here's my problem with the Hobbit. If you can't make Legolas look exactly like he looked in the Lord of the Rings, Which don't I mean, fucking bring him back because the dude's older. He's yeah. gained weight. Yeah. <laughs> You're making up a love story, a love triangle there that God, never existed. That to me was the, I should they they should have done that. 
but see, in the Lord of the Rings trilogy, it worked. They made up a love story that really didn't exist. You know what's funny to me is that they stretched out The Hobbit to have all this crazy shit that coincided with the Silmarillion and all this silly yeah. things. Some but of it was good. They Some of it put Tom Bombadil in the fucking uh, right, <laughs> and they also. Also, the scouring of the Shire at the end of the... Well, Tom Bombadil's Lord of the Rings, not Hobbit. Well, I know. I'm saying, but they couldn't put Tom Tom Bombadil in Fellowship or whatever? Like, Well, okay, here's... The, I agree with you, but here, let me play devil's advocate. You're making... You're, you're throwing all this money into this movie. You're not even sure if it's going to work. You're not even sure if you're going to make money back or make a profit. Yeah. Okay. Now explain... Now explain to the mo- the the movie production the, your financiers why you want to put Tom Bombadil, who even in the book has no real there's no real point. It's cool they have him, it's nice, but it has no real effect on the overall story. What's some other shit they changed from that? There's a few key things that they took out of for the movies from the Fellowship or from all the books. They moved shit around. They moved uh, uh, Shelob. The spider was supposed to be in two towers that ended up being a return of the king, but that's not that big of a deal. Well, game. you know, and they made the Battle of Helm's Deep longer than half a page. <laughs> yeah, uh, they made it... They they made Legolas a lot more badass than he really was in the book. Gimli was actually the one who won the, like, the competition for killing. Gimli was, from my recollection, was kind of more considered the better warrior. Legolas was not as main character as he well, they spruced him up because, you know. They spruced him up, I and mean, he was not as main as... Gimli was probably, uh, had a larger role overall, I would say, in Lord of the Rings than Legolas. And Legolas was definitely there, don't get me wrong, but uh, I think the Ents, they changed themselves with the Ents. They took out the whole return to Hobbiton and how it was taken over by, like, the... Like uh, Grima Wormton or Saruman and Grima Wormton. Yeah, they didn't have the scouring of the shower, Shire at the end. Yeah, they didn't have that. Return of the King. They, um. There, I used to have a list of things I could point to and be like, this is why, blah, blah, blah. But now I can. There's never a love story between I Aragorn. I mean, there was briefly mentioned, but it was never like a love story. It, you know. And Boromir is supposed to be a giant of a man. Yeah. <laughs> The script. I mean, he's. I thought he was supposed to be like seven feet. I tall. think. I think what's his nuts did pretty good as Boromir. I agree. And that's why Contact is a good movie. Yeah, Contact's a great movie. I was gonna say, and I hate to bring it back. Sorry, because we're talking about Lord of the Rings, but uh, I've met. I forgot to mention we're talking about all these movies about space travel and colonization and all this shit. Yeah. But we didn't mention two thousand one once. I liked Spaceship in two thousand one. The Discovery. Yeah. That's all I have to say. The Bone. Looks like the bone. Yeah. It's a good movie. Yeah. You should watch that. Yeah. I have it on blue right now. Oh, nice. My favorite thing I've ever done in, in like school bands was I get to play the timpani, timpani for that part. That, yeah. And basically, it's like triple forte, just like bang yeah. on it as hard as you possibly can. So it's like. I had like my hair growing out, you know. Like, <laughs> I had my afro, and I like, just think I was a sophomore in high school. So, yeah. bum, 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 bum. You like drizzle some water on the head, so you, oh, yeah. you got some lights <laughs> just showing splashing. up. So when you splash it, it's colored water splashing everywhere. That was so much fun. But it's like it's really like, and then you shut down for a while. Yeah, and then you don't do anything. And then you stand up. <laughs> That's a good part. Anyways, yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of a boring uh, movie review episode, but it's been all right. 
Yeah, dude, we talked about colonizing Mars and shit. Colonizing motherfucking Mars. I man. think we should colonize the moon first, personally, but that's just me. I think that'd be a good start, like, that'd be a good, like, training exercise. Works in Moon. Great movie. Yeah? But, like, but I think that'd be a good way, because, like, to, you know, try out new ideas for Mars. Like, we'll just go to, because if something ha- goes haywire, like someone's stranded, you know, it's a three-day trip to the moon, so you could work out a lot of kinks, I think, a lot easier. Like, oh, fuck, this guy's been stranded. All right, well, we'll see you in three days, dude. Just hold tight. Yeah, good luck. You're going to have to create a new little piece uh, based, you know, I don't know, Apollo 13, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> I, was gra- I was grasping. Hey. Another That's movie. another really good Another one. movie with Tom Hanks. That one's actually pretty sci- or pretty I accurate. I love Apollo 13. It's, it's pretty movie. accurate to what they, like, a lot of the stuff they went through. I mean, obviously, they couldn't have every little issue, but, like. Well, they didn't mention anything about the UFOs uh, going outside their... Oh, that's uh, Apollo 11. Yeah, it happened on all the Apollo missions. Really? I know that. I, I knew Apollo 11, like, Buzz Aldrin to this day claims that, you know, I, I saw something. Yeah, I know. Yeah. I don't think he's ever used the word alien, but he's like, oh, there was something out there. Speaking of which, I've uh, been reading on Reddit a lot of, like, stories, like, scary shit that's happened to people who live in isolation. Yeah. Fuck, dude, some of that shit's scary as balls. And I read up on this story, and I want to go see the update of it. But uh, there's a thread on on Reddit called "I Want to Believe." Yeah. It's a paranormal, you know, yeah. subreddit. And uh, this guy is talking about the weird, like, uh, they were called the the. Con- I don't know if it was Kentucky or if it was Kansas, but they're like called the Kentucky Goblins or something like oh, that. Yeah. You should look up on read up on this case. It's really fascinating. This guy was like assault. His house was assaulted by these like weird alien creatures that he called the goblins, and he tracked them back to a cave, and then he was like never heard from again or something. Crazy. And then the same thing was happening to this other guy, and he contacted this like paranormal investigator, and the paranormal, and then he disappeared. So this guy was like looking into it, and, like wrote a huge blog on it. It was like fascinating. I wanted to, I wanted to read up on it. Huh. But. Nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and then the scariest things on Reddit were like, "Holy shit!" I couldn't sleep one night. I was like so scared to sleep. The fuck? Yeah, just because, like, scary shit, like, that people have, like, you know, it's, like, people, like, breaking into their house or, like, looking at it or, like, weird shadowy things. Like, oh, shadow people. Yeah, I don't know. It's freaky, but. That's where I have a big old. Bowling pin? Bowling pin and a bull mastiff. Breaking a mass, see what happens. That's why I got a uh, 9 millimeter and a. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's what's funny is, like, I have over home protection. You know, but I keep it in a gun safe. Then it's not really home protection. Those things take fucking forever to open. Yeah, I like that comedian, uh, you know, what's his name? Jim Jeffries, the Australian. Yeah. And he's like, and he, what's funny is he's a gun enthusiast, but he does an anti, like, he does a gun control bit yeah. in his jokes because when he, he, his house was broken into and him and his girlfriend were held at gunpoint and they, like, threatened to rape his girlfriend and all this stuff. And he's like, the funny thing is, it's like, everyone's like, well, you should have had your gun on you. It's like, oh, I was naked, like, having romance time with my girlfriend. Like, I'm sorry I didn't have my holster, you know, strapped on. And he does this whole bit about it. He's like, it's really funny. Yeah, and I think it's just, it's morally irresponsible to keep your gun anywhere other than a safe. Hey, one of my mentors, man, he kept, he slept with a gun under his pillow. And he told me that one time, and I thought he was joking. And then I read him in the newspaper. So I'm going to broke it into his house, broke it into his bedroom, and he shot the guy in the butt. Nice. He was also 90. <laughs> but 
I just uh, it's just dangerous. I, I there's some like, what a couple of weeks ago, some guy was cleaning his gun. Shot was, him in the face, probably. No, he was cleaning his gun. Got up, like walked away for a second. Two year old came in. Two year old shot himself. There, like you're a fucking idiot. What an idiot. But oh well. Yeah, that's what well, we, not oh well. Sorry, that makes me sound so shitty. <laughs> I just meant to say... God, Red, God. I just meant to say, like, all right, now I guess that's Dolan. Well, now that we know that Red doesn't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. But um, no, no like, we, we, we have firearms on the premise, but we keep them in a gun safe that only two people know how to get into, mm-hmm. and only a, very, or only a couple more than that know where it is. So. Yeah. Like, my kids don't even know it exists, which is how I want to keep it. Probably smart. Uh, as Jim Jeffrey says, the only good excuse for uh, for wanting to keep guns is, "Hey, I like guns." Okay then. <laughs> He's like, "Don't give me the Second Amendment bullshit." He's yeah. like, "Just say, hey, I like guns," because that's the only argument you have. <laughs> it's funnier with an Australian accent. <laughs> it's true. He's a funny guy. Anyways, yeah. Twitter, you know all that. Yep, at Red is Awesome, at Kaner Wainer, at Duel of Taints. You can email us at airpodcast.com. Wait. Awesome at air, Duel at airpodcast.com, awesome at airpodcast.com. You can like us at facebook.com slash airpodcast. And as always, you can call us at 657-888-3835. Go check out Capital Tap Room. Ask them for some Gilgamesh. Hopefully, they have already got their asses on it. Um, it's a trap. It's a trap. <laughs>